invite the congregation to stand for the hearing of the gospel lesson. We'll be hearing from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. So this Easter season, we continue to ponder what it means to live a resurrected life. And, and last week, I just have to mention this. I preached on sheep and, and what it means to, to follow the, sh- the shepherd and by becoming familiar. And, and this, this weekend, my family and I were driving in the countryside of uh, North Warren County. And there was this sheep field, 15, 20 sheep out there. And they had all been freshly groomed and they looked pearly white. And it was amazing. They were around one hay bale, except for one sheep. <laughs> and there was this one sheep that was a little matted, and he was half, half sheared. <laughs> he had his head really high and was marching across that field like he knew exactly what he was doing. I'm like, that's the sheep I was talking about last week. There he goes running off. But there's a lot to this series that reminds us that we are to follow the lead of Christ. And, and today is one of those about abiding in Christ, who is our vine, as a reminder that that, that, that and, and it is in Christ that is the source of our life. So I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to take directions. And many of you used to remember what it used to be like to give or to give directions in life. And for those who are younger among us, there was a day that we didn't have GPSs or smartphones to get us exactly where we needed to go and to tell us when we needed to recalculate the direction that we're going. In fact, we had maps and they were in the glove compartment of our car, but we never used those unless we were going on a long trip or on vacation, right? Because it was a sense of pride to know how to get around. But our directions were interesting that we gave, and they sounded a little bit like this. Now, when you get about three miles out of town, look for the big red barn. You, you can't miss it. Then drive out past the cemetery, which is right across from the Smith Farm and across the road from the old school. And then, just before you get to the school, turn left on the gravel road and go down there where you, until you see a, a big oak tree, and, and then there's a road right after it. And if you drive to the creek, you've gone too far, you need to turn back around again. And then, off in the woods to the left, you're going to see a, a brand new ranch house that was built last year. We'll go on past that, a few more minutes, a quarter of a mile or so, then you're going to see a bunch of mailboxes, seven or eight of them, maybe nine. Then you're going to take the next right. And then when you get past the flat bridge, you're going to turn left on the dirt road. Now our house is just down that way a little bit. My red truck's in the driveway, if I'm home. That's how we got to where we were going. That's what directions sounded like. And, and you didn't ask questions because that was normal. 
Now, granted, we'd have to stop two or three times, right? We'd have to turn around and go find that oak tree again or, or find that red barn and, because we couldn't call anybody. We'd, we'd make do, though. We'd ask help along the way, and we would get where we're going. That was quite normal. What I want to suggest today is that our faith journey is a lot like that. Our faith journey requires discernment. It requires us to, to kind of step out on faith at times, that we're going to get where we need to be. As followers of Christ, we're called to, to learn to abide and to abide in Christ for direction and guidance. And today's lesson speaks to the crucial importance of abiding in order to be led by Christ. And it's here to guide us towards what a faithful person looks like. But let's be honest, these directions, and, and in other places, of following Christ, well, they require we stop ever so often and ask for guidance and, and to question what, what's he really leading us to? Where is he sending us here? I love metaphor, and I love the metaphor of the vine and the branches. It's clear that we must abide in Christ to be fruitful, and I desire to be fruitful just like the next person. But this isn't a very specific guidance today. It's not exactly a spiritual GPS, is it? It doesn't get us exactly where we need it to go. There'd be it'd be nice to have an app, wouldn't it, to, to tell us when we're going the wrong direction or maybe cho choosing in a way we should not to say, it's time to turn around now. Well, we don't have that. Often, following Christ leads to questions. It requires that we discern and interpret and sometimes we see despite our best efforts. Every once in a while we take a wrong turn here and there. Every once in a while we have to, to come back and, and start over again. So I want to ask you a question this morning and I want, to, I want you to answer as best you can. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to a minute to answer it. And you can write it in your bulletin if you want to, if you'd like to take notes or ponder it in your heart for a moment as you meditate. But imagine someone asking you the question, well, what does a faithful person look like? What does a faithful person look like? How would you answer that question? So let me give you a few seconds, if not a minute, to ponder on that. We'll come back to that in a minute. What does a faithful person look like? As you continue to think about that or perhaps write or take notes and keep doing it as we go, I'm going to come back to your answer at some point in the service. But know that my goal today is not to tell you or to see, rather, if you've got it correct. In fact, I'm going to propose, I'm going to suggest to you now that however you answer that question of what a faithful person looks like, I'm going to suggest that you've got it right. I'm going to trust that you have it exactly the way that you understand it. So I do plan to come back, but not in order to convince you that you need to change your answer or to think about it more. I'm going to 
I'm going to believe that we know what a faithful person looks like. Now, knowing I was going to ask this question, I had a chance to assume and perhaps anticipate answers. And I'm guessing that some of us, in some way, have in mind that a faithful person is, well, solid, calm in the storm, non-anxious presence. And maybe that vision for you of what a faithful person is is well-founded in those who brought you up and perhaps what you desire to be. Some of us have said that perhaps that, well, a faithful person is active and they're, they're outgoing and they connect with people well and they're good at inviting people to come to know Christ. Perhaps you had someone in your life that, that brought you to Christ because they were that kind of person. Others may have thought that being a faithful person is someone who serves and always puts others before them. They're the first to sign up and to help out on volunteer needs in the church and put others before themselves quite often. Maybe you benefited from that person. Others may have thought or said that, well, a faithful person advocates, works for justice and righteousness in the world, tirelessly working on behalf of others, marches, uses their, their faith in order to, to help the world to see what's broken in it. The Lord knows that there are many in our scriptures in life that have called God's people to see the 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 wandering of our ways at times. There's probably answers I've not considered thus far, but our answers, they're shaped by the scriptures, they're shaped by faith leaders, they're, they're shaped by those thoughts, those thinkers and theologians that we've read over the years. Some of you may have grown up in the Billy Graham era, and you learned the importance of evangelism and, and inviting folks to church and, and why that's so crucial. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., whom I'll come back to later, he had a legacy of a lived-out faith that was a verb and not a noun. Tirelessly given his life to change the world for, for the inclusion of all people. Many in our, in our history of the church have given their whole lives to prayer in monasteries and convents. And just up the road at Gethsemane Abbey is one of those holiest places in the world to me. It's the place where Thomas Merton put his thoughts together and and wrote and that many of us benefited from. Martin Luther one day learned that it's faith alone through grace that saves us and the force behind the Methodist movement, John Wesley, focused a lot on the saving faith and what it means to give our lives to God and being reconciled to the favor of God, but also worked with those who are addicted and, and worked to abolish slavery as well. So this question of what a faithful person looks like, if you think about it, it, there are answers to that question that outnumber the stars in the heavens. And I want to say that each of these voices, both then and now, are faithful voices. These are voices of those who abided and abide in Christ. Each of them add timeless value to this church. And I want to suggest that however you answered your question today about what it means to look faithful and to be faithful, it has merit. However it is that we understand the faithful life, the message today is that if we're not abiding in Christ, we cannot live out our faith. However it is we understand it, we must all abide. We must all lean into Christ's guidance and presence. And Jesus, as a direction giver, he used a lot of parables 
He used a lot of metaphor. He answered questions with questions quite often. And it's significant to me that he rarely told the disciples, will you go do this? Or he rarely answered their questions clearly. And today's lesson is a bit like that. He didn't say everyone go produce the same fruit. Instead, the crucial point here is that you must abide in me if you are going to be fruitful. If you're going to live the life that God has called you to. And as people of faith, whether we are those who feel called towards evangelism or servanthood or generosity or activism or teaching, we must abide. We must stay connected with Christ as our source of life to guide us. When we do, we live. When we do not, we die on the vine. That's the clear message. We will not live long without being connected to our source. We may each not bear the same kind of fruit. We may each bear fruit that isn't as bragworthy as someone else's, we think, and we may differ on our vision what a faithful person looks like, but what is not something we can come to disagree on is that we must abide with Christ and in effect one another. I recall once in my own life trying to come to some decision that I had pondered for a long time. I just couldn't find the answer. Everything that seemed right also felt wrong and everything that felt wrong seemed right. Been there before? And so I reached out for help and to someone who I knew was a faithful person. And, and as we talked and I shared my struggles, my toils, this person said to me in their wisdom, maybe you're placing too much emphasis on getting it right or wrong. I said, well, no, this is important. I want to do the right thing. I want to do what God wants me to do. I just can't quite find the answer. And their wisdom to me was, well, sometimes the best that we can be is faithful. Sometimes the best thing we can do is pray. Seek counsel from those we trust and ask God to help you. And then decide. And when you get it right and if you get it right, give God all the glory. If you get it wrong and you find you've done an error, lean into grace. Keep going. Try again. In his book, Tempered Resilience, Todd Bolsinger writes about a time in the life of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. when he was overwhelmed with the task that had been thrust upon him. He began to wonder in the face of opposition and, and those who were being hurt, why, God, have you called me to this? His biographer said that there are many times in his life that he felt like a failure. He sometimes found himself in a dark place because of the doubts that he constantly and consistently felt. And one night, as his biographer wrote, dropping his head into his hands, he suddenly realized he was praying aloud in the midnight hush of the kitchen. Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. But Lord, I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. And I can't let people see me like this. I'm supposed to be faithful. But I've come to a point where I can't face it alone. And at that moment, as King would tell it, he seemed to hear an inner voice, the voice of Jesus, answering him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. 
stand for truth. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the world. And that voice of Jesus, King, recounted, promise never to leave me. No, never leave me alone. In other words, our part is to be faithful, to abide in Christ, and Christ will lead us. Jesus said that he was the vine, and the vine gives branches life. We are the branches, and when we are connected to Christ, we live. And that means we live when we have succeeded and give God glory. That means that we live even when we failed because we know that there's grace tomorrow. This is what a full life in Christ is. So whatever you wrote down earlier, I would simply ask you to be that for you, which is faithful. Be faithful and abide in Christ. Whether you feel led to focus your life on something that is head and heart, hands and feet, right or left, inward or outward, evangelical or justice-seeking, the important question for us all is, are you abiding in Christ? Is your relationship Christ making you fruitful in your faithfulness? Are you asking God to be better? Are you asking God for help as a servant, a teacher, a preacher, or a seeker of justice? In all our attempts to be faithful, I do think we must remember that the body of Christ is made up of many parts. And God wants to pour us all into the world in all of our glory, with all of our gifts and our passions, people and churches across the spectrum, engaging the world with the fruits of love and grace and kindness and justice. And I have a vision of a church full of disciples who are abiding in Christ, encouraging each other to become what they're created to be. Each of us guided towards inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Each of us encouraged to lean into the scriptures as our guide. Each of us encouraging us to use our voice to speak up for the lost and the exiled and the oppressed. Each of us producing our fruits because we abide in Christ. And that, to me, is the beauty of this church. Every church, every person has, does not have the same gift, perhaps. But what a boring church it would be if we all did the same thing. In fact, I don't think we'd be the church at all. We are the branches. Christ is the vine. We are called to be loving and fruitful and compassionate in all that we do. And once we live into our giftedness, once we lean into our passions, when we are inspired by the Holy Spirit, we become free and unencumbered and beautiful images of faith. This is what it looks like to be faithful, both individually and as a church. And this is what it looks like when faith abides in us all. And it, it is this abiding Christ that invites us to this table today in all of our glory in all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses it is Christ who gives us life in all things so may we begin to come to the table this morning together I'm going to invite you I didn't think of it until this morning we have our hymnals <laughs> so I'm going to invite you to open your hymnal to page 12 and if you're at home you'll see all the words but the confession but I invite you to follow along with us nonetheless and may our voice 
be a voice with you as we speak today. So let's turn our hymnals to page 12. <laughs> 